This morning we're going to be speaking about a term that we use, and I'm going to try to show you the biblical term we should be using. The importance of the Lord's church. And church is not a translation. It should be called assembly or congregation. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, And I say also unto thee, talking to Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my assembly. And when you assemble, you become a congregation. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May we pray. Father, be with us as we look into thy word. May you bless it to our souls. May we come to love the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved it and died and gave himself for it. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So the church began with Christ and the apostles. There's a teaching going on today that the church began on the day of Pentecost. That is a false teaching. The church was empowered on the day of Pentecost. He said to tarry and wait in Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. But we'll see that as we go along. It began with Christ and the apostles. If you study Mark 3 verses 13 through 19, and Luke 6, verses 12 through 16. I will build my assembly. The assembly here, Mount Zion, is the Lord's assembly. It's not Brother Roger's assembly, Brother Dave's assembly, Brother Rhodes' assembly. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's assembly. And there's only one head of his assembly, and he's the head of that, as we're going to see. And God said, the apostles in the assembly first. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, And God has set some in the assembly first, apostles, secondary, prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, is speaking in 1 Corinthians, the miraculous gifts that was in the early church. But those things passed away at the end of the, when the full revelation of God was given in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, Peter advised the 120, not the apostles, to select one to replace Judas, Iscariot, the assembly. The, the assembly, the congregation, is the one that makes the decisions with the elders, with the pastor. We all vote, but it's the body as a democratic body that makes the final decision in the house of God. And that's the way the Lord set it up. Acts 1, chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. Note Christ teaches ministry in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. He says, tell it to the assembly, a local assembly. And if something is, if there's a variation in the church and two brothers or two sisters or someone's not in accord with each other and then we go to them we're to tell it to the assembly the assembly must make a decision on that situation and uh, remember also that according to Acts chapter 241 those that were immersed that's another word we need to get out of our system is the word baptized the word should be immersed to dip under 
That does away with the understanding of what it means to be immersed. Can you sprinkle someone immersed? No. They have to be immersed to be scripturally fulfill the Lord's immersion. He was buried under the water. He came out of the water. So the Holy Spirit used the word immerse and dip under. And that's for believers only, not for infants. On the day of Pentecost and afterwards were added to the assembly congregation 3,000 souls. And Matthias was selected by the congregation to replace Judas Iscariot. And that this distinction is maintained in the New Testament is manifest from the following contrast between the assembly and the kingdom. Some people get the kingdom of God and the ecclesia of the congregation mixed up. They don't know what, what is the difference between the kingdom of God and the assembly of God. Here's a few quotations. The assembly is assembly or congregation. The kingdom is the domain of the king. The kingdom of God is universal. The church is local. The assembly as an assembly is necessarily local. The kingdom is universal. The assembly is spoken of as that which was to be built. I will build my ecclesia, my congregation. The kingdom is never thus spoken of. It doesn't speak about building the kingdom, but building the assembly of the Lord. Christ said, tell it to the assembly, a local congregation of baptized believers. Matthew 18, 17. No such command is ever given to the kingdom. Who are you going to call it to? The kingdom. That's like the universal church. If you're going to tell it to the uh, universal church, they call it the universal assembly. Is uh, That's why they use the word church, because you can't have a universal assembly. It's got to congregate. can't be universal. If it's, a, if it's assembly and congregation, it's local. You have to be able to see it. Tell it to the assembly, Matthew 28, 17. No such command is ever given to the kingdom. The assembly is called a body, Ephesians 1, 22, 23, Colossians 1, 18, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. The kingdom is never thus spoken of as a body. The assembly is a democracy under the headship of Christ. And we shall presently note the kingdom is a monarchy. We don't have one person as they, as they claim the Pope is over all the churches. He's the Pope of the churches. We didn't come, we didn't come out of Rome and we're not of Rome. Baptists never have claimed to be Protestants. We're not Protestants. Get that in your mind. Protestants are those who came out of Rome. John Calvin and the Presbyterians of the Church of England and all of these different churches down through there, Luther, all of these churches came out of the great horde, the Roman Catholic Church. And that's what it's called in Revelation. Beloved, there is many things being taught today and persecution in the older days of Baptists were done because of the Roman Catholic Church. They persecuted, they, they burned to the stake, even they burned, even those of Church of England who would not bow to the presence of Christ in the bread, if they didn't, didn't agree to that, they were burned to the stake. 
women and children were beheaded. They were run through with poles and they were thrown off cliffs because they would not submit to the authority of the Roman Catholic Church. Now this is history. I'm just, I'm just quoting history. If you want to read it, study about that, i got two volumes at home. It goes through all of that. You're welcome to borrow them and read it. But these are things that we must understand. That group, that evil society, is not the congregation that the Lord built. My assembly. Therefore, the assembly has organic character, being visible and having officers. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. The kingdom of God is neither organic or visible. It's invisible. Assembly. Membership is subject to the democratic actions of the body. Each one of us here are responsible to each other, to the body of Christ. Every one of us. I am, Roger, Dave, everyone here is responsible to the whole body. Because we're members of one another. Romans 14, 1, Acts 9, 26, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, <coughs> 2 Corinthians 2, 26. While God pretty is purely independent of assembly actions, puts men in his kingdom by, his, by the new birth. 1 John 3, 5, Colossians 3, 1 through 13. <coughs> Only God can put you into the kingdom of God through the new birth. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom was preached and at one time was announced as at hand. Acts 20, 25, 28, 31, Mark 1, 15. But such language is never used with reference to the assembly. The assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ is not the kingdom of God. The use of the word assembly. Now this is why the word church, we use that word because that's the way it was translated by the King James translators. But the basic word is congregation or assembly. And it's like the word baptize, baptism. If they had it translated correctly and put immersion and dip under, to see that went against the Church of England because they sprinkled. And that's why they translated it baptized. They didn't really translate the word at all. And we say we're going to church. That's not a correct phrase either. We should say we're going to the meeting house. You know the old, the old uh, preachers years ago and the churches used to say we're going to the meeting house to worship the Lord. The meeting. This is a meeting house. And I'm grateful that God has given us a meeting house. But the meeting house is not the ecclesia of the Lord. We, born again baptized believers, we make up the ecclesia, the assembly, the congregation of the Lord. The meeting house is familiar, spoken of as the assembly or the church. But this is foreign to the New Testament use of the word. The New Testament congregation or assembly was not the house, but in the house. Romans 16, 5, it said the assembly which is in thy house. So when we used to meet in the houses, we were being biblical because that's in the, 
A, a congregation can meet anywhere, in a barn, in a house, in this meeting house here, anywhere. And that's scripture. It says, uh, the congregation or assembly of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the congregation or assembly that is in their house. In their house. So you can see there's a distinction between house and the assembly. There was the distinction. So there's the distinction between this building, the meeting house, and we, the people of God, who make up the congregation or the assembly. In Romans 16.5 it says, Likewise, greet the congregation that is in their house. We're to greet them. They were to greet the congregation. And it says in 1 Corinthians 16.19, The assembly of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla, salute much in the Lord, that is the assembly that is in thy house. Salute the brethren, it says in Colossians 4.15. We're to salute show respect to the family of God. Now what happened on the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost was not the beginning or the birth of the assembly of the Lord. It began with him and the apostles, the congregation. So on the day of Pentecost, the the assembly to receive power on the day of Pentecost to witness for Christ. They needed power to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, tarry you here until you be endured with power from on high. He didn't say to start the church. It says to receive power. Acts 1, 8 and 41, it says, Glad he received his word, were immersed. And it said about 3,000 souls were added. The assembly of 120 received the power to witness and not to start a spiritual assembly because the church, the assembly, the congregation was already in existence. Now this is the difference between what we believe is Primitive Baptist and what they teach at Moody Bible Institute. Now a lot of the churches today teach a universal, invisible church. We believe that the Word of God teaches a local congregation assembled together to worship the Lord. We believe on the day of Pentecost, we, the, the congregational believers, baptized believers, receive power by the Holy Spirit being given to in, in, infuse the church with power to be witnesses into all the world. Now there's a difference in that. Because some of them teach, well, if you're in the big church, you're okay. It doesn't matter what local church you go to. Say they kind of play down the local assembly. But the local church is the only assembly. The local assembly is the only assembly the Lord is building. He's not building some great, big, universal, invisible congregation or assembly. They call it church because it has to assemble to be a congregation. In Acts, we see precept and example. There's many things that we follow in the New Testament pattern by example is what they did. It doesn't say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And when things are not spelled out perfectly, then we follow their example and their pattern. And this is very scriptural to do that. 
Believing preceded bat, uh, immersion or baptism. Immersion, Acts 36, 7. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be immersed? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And it says, But upon his profession he was immersed in water and went on his way rejoicing. So we see that believing precedes baptism. That's why infants cannot be baptized or immersed because they are not believers. They have not the capacity to believe in infancy. And there's no command given in the word of God. The Apostle Paul in chapter Acts 9 verse 18 says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and rose and was immersed. He was immersed. You know, Paul, when he saw the Lord on the road of Damascus and it was so bright, scales went over his eyes and he had to be healed before he could even see. That was the glory of the Lord. And he never got over that experience. What a blessing that was to the Apostle Paul. That was such a blessing. It says, and when some, uh, Acts 9, 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was the disciple. Well, he was going around uh, persecuting the Christians, locking them up, taking them to prison. And all of a sudden, he's coming around the believers. They probably say, boy, he's up to no good. You know, he's, he's trying to find out who we are, that he can take us to prison. So they were really, didn't really trust Paul. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And verse 28 says, And he was with them coming in and going out. So there was a great change in the Apostle Paul. Became a member of the Jerusalem Assembly. Paul did. We see the pattern in Acts chapter 2 verses 41 and 42. Again, we're going by what's revealed in the Word of God. It says in verse 41, Then they gladly received the word, were immersed. So those who received the word are believers. They received the word, and when they received the word, they were immersed. I'll say this, how do we receive members today? And we may differ a little bit on this. I can see it done in two ways. Someone can come before the church and make it known that they want to talk to the pastors of the church about being immersed in their, in their faith. And then they will come before the pastors, the elders, and we will discuss it with them. Then we'll bring them before the church and they can give their confession to the church because it's the church that makes the final decision or I should say the assembly. It's even hard for me to get away from that word. Congregation will make the decision whether to accept or reject a person's testimony. See, it's democratic. It's not a one man I say yes or I say no. It's not up to me. It's for the congregation. That's why each one of you are important. Each member has been set in the church according to God's perfect wisdom. And each one has the right to speak 
and to make decisions for the Lord. So then they gladly received his word, were immersed, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, I'm not jealous of what the Lord did back then because it was the beginning of the church, but that would be wonderful if we had a meeting here in June and we had 3,000 souls added. I wouldn't complain at all, would you? <laughs> Amen. And now the Lord's arm's not short that he cannot save, but he said our sin has separated us. But it's his will who he adds, whether he adds one or he adds thousands. God's the one that does the adding, not us. Sometimes we think we add. And if we add to the congregation, we may add the wrong one. So that's something that's very serious. And it says in chapter uh, 2, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And this should be the pattern that we follow. What should Brother Dave, Brother Roger, and myself be teaching? We should be teaching the apostles' doctrine, and they were teaching, and what is the apostles' doctrine? It was the, it was the things Jesus taught them, and he says, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. So if, if we believe in the apostles' doctrine, we're believing what Jesus taught, because they, their foundation is upon the teachings of Christ. It says in chapter 8, verse 12, But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were immersed, both men and women. You don't see any children mentioned. Infants. Men and women. Why? Because it's for believers only. Believers only. Now you've got to keep that distinction. What's one of the basic distinctions between primitive Baptists and the Reformed churches, it's infant baptism because we believe in believers' immersion only. Believers. Now, we didn't start this. Some people say, well, you, you're, you're picking on them. No, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just presenting to you what the Lord started, what he taught his apostles, what they taught, what the pattern is in the New Testament. I'm not going by names. Let's forget any names. Those who are of the true churches of Jesus Christ will go by the pattern and they will be recognized as the true churches by what they practice and what they preach. What they practice and what they preach and how they obey the Lord. Just go by the word of God. You say, well, is this, is this a church of Jesus Christ? Okay, what is their practice? What is their doctrine? Are they preaching the apostle doctrine? Or have they added to the word of God? And if, they, if they're not preaching that and following the example, then we have to scratch their name off. They're not, a, they're not one of the true assemblies or congregations of the Lord. They're not following the pattern. If we here at Mount Zion cease to follow the pattern laid down in the word of God and cease to follow Christ, we would not be an ecclesia of the Lord. Lord had, will remove the candlestick and we cease to be a congregation. That's why it's serious being a member of the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship is important. This is an area which we need as, 
as a congregation to get a little more back into. We used to have more fellowship. We used to meet every fifth Sunday and have a lunch downstairs, have more fellowship. It seems like today, as soon as that clock hits 12 o'clock, we can't see who's the first one out the back door. Brethren, that shouldn't be like that. We hadn't seen each other all week. We should at least take five minutes <laughs> and say, how you doing? How is your week? How is your day? We need to have more fellowship. And I'm grateful for the ones here that have been generous in, in uh, uh, sending cards out, uh, showing kindness, those who invite people, different ones, to their homes. Listen, it's a blessing that you would not receive in this world, but you receive in the world to come. Remember what the Lord said. Lord, when did we do this and do that? When did we feed, your, feed you? And when did we clothe you? And when did we do all these things in Matthew 25? He said, when you've done it to the least of one of my brethren, you've done it unto me. So remember that. And he said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you shall in no wise lose your reward. Now, whether that reward is in this world, I really don't have the answer for that. There's a lot of speculation about rewards. But he said you will be rewarded. And I take the Lord at his word. But if we can do good to the house of God, it's a blessing. Remember that. Remember what it says over in Hebrews, some has entertained angels unaware. Now whether that's talking about ministers or whether that's talking about actual angels that visited people, they wasn't aware that they were actually spiritual angels appearing in the form of a man. I'm not sure which way that goes. There's a lot of things I don't know for sure. I just say you can study it out on your own and see you come up to the, your own conclusion. But I believe it could go both ways. Fellowship and breaking of bread. And that's something that we need to take very serious of breaking of bread. Because the word of God warns us not to Eat the bread if we have sin in our lives. If we come before the Lord's table with sin in our lives, the Lord said there's some sick among you. It's a dangerous thing to do. And all of us need to examine ourselves. That's why Paul said examine, examine yourselves. We all need to examine ourselves. And none of us are perfect. But we're to walk, the Bible says, even as he walked. And the bread, breaking of bread is a reminder that Jesus died for us. What a great blessing that is. The assembly that Jesus instituted in his ministry. Number one. Had a head. Jesus Christ the Lord. He was the head of his assembly. Some people say. Well the church couldn't exist back then. Didn't have a head. Yes it did. It had Jesus. He was the head of his assembly. It had an assembly. The apostles. And other believers as seen in Acts chapter 1, 120. It had a congregation of believers, baptized believers, at least 120, which was including the apostles. It had the ordinance of immersion. They were told to immerse believers. It had the institution of the Lord's Supper instituted. The Lord in the, in, in the upper room and they instituted the supper. They, they were there had the commission to preach the gospel and to wait for the promise of the Father and to receive power from on high. 
Now remember, Acts chapter 1 and 2 is dealing with the receiving of power from on high, not the, end, not the beginning of the Lord's congregation. He said, I'll build it. And it began with him in his earthly ministry. Now these are important truths because you need to know when the Lord's assembly started. You need to know what happened on the day of Pentecost. The church was immersed with the power of God and that's been going on ever since then. And he says, and God added to them the assembly 3,000 souls. Now who added them? The apostles? No. It says the Lord added, God added to them. How did he add to the assembly? First, he has to give them new birth, being born again. How can they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how can they believe without a preacher? And how can they believe if they haven't been born again? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of God, because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he receive them, because they are spiritually discerned. So a person has to be quickened by the Holy Spirit of God as they were on the day of Pentecost, they were quickened and had given life by, the, by God. They were born again. And then when the gospel came in power, they believed. And the Lord took those believers and added believers to the, his assembly, 3,000 souls. And God gets the credit for it. You don't see somebody jumping up, oh, that's, look what I've done. <laughs> you know, we'd have a lot of Baptists today doing that. They'd be jumping up, oh, look what we did. No, beloved, guess what God did. God gets the glory. Great things he has done. Let me read this to you again. Then they that gladly received his word were immersed. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the assembly daily such as should be saved. It could be translated such as were being saved. He added such as were being saved. What should we pray for? We should be praying, Lord, add to our assembly. Add to our assembly. That should be our prayer. Now, we can't add to it. But we can preach the gospel. What is our responsibility, Brother Roger, Brother David, myself, to preach the word? Be instant in season, out of season. That's our responsibility. Another thing we're to do, it says one waters, one plants, one waters, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Be praying for God to give the increase. Are you praying for someone? Sow the seed to them. That's to plant the seed. It could be your grandson, your granddaughter, your sister, your brothers. It could be those around you that you love. Plant the seed and pray that someone else will water that seed and pray that also that God in his due time will give the increase. That's how the churches are added to, beloved. When we do it on our own and we try to poor people and, and use uh, psychological methods to get people to come down, down the aisle like the Arminians do, we're dishonoring God. God will put a burden on the individual's heart to be a member of a congregation and they can make that known to the church and then the pastors, as I said earlier, will deal with elders, will talk to them, listen to them, they give their confession and their, uh, their experience, will be brought before the church and the church will vote to receive them as a member of of the assembly of Jesus Christ. So simple. 
But again, the thing I'm emphasizing, whether they come to Brother Dave or Brother Roger or me in private, or whether they, someone comes up the church and says, I'd like to join it, what, what do I do? Then we would have them talk to the elders or Brother Dave, and we'll talk to them. Then we would present them to the church, and the church would make the final decision. See, it's a congregation. You are part of that congregation. You have a responsibility as members of the Lord's church congregation. The assembly has two ordinances. Immersion, we call it baptism, and the Lord's Supper. Now, feet washing, which is done in some primitive Baptist churches, is an example. It's not a church ordinance. But it's weird to do this because the Lord said, do this. As I have done unto you, so do unto you. We need to do that as an example. It's not a church ordinance like because it doesn't represent, notice this, an ordinance represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now in immersion, we represent, we go under the water, showing our death, we come out of the water, showing our resurrection, to walk in newness of life. We partake of the Lord's Supper, we eat the bread, which is a symbolic of His body, we drink the wine, which is His blood, both of them are pointing to His death, burial, and resurrection, Feet washing doesn't. But it does show our to be a servant is teaching us to be a servant to each other. We're to be willing to wash, get down on my knees and wash Brother Dave's feet if needed. Or to do anything in a sense to help another brother and sister in Christ. That should be, that's what is teaching us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In the Great Commission, Jesus said in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now the great original has the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, showing us that all three, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, partake of the divine essence. Didn't say a spirit or a son and the Father. No, they're all the same. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit referring to what they are in essence. They're one God in three persons. And he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all things. What is our responsibility? We're to teach disciples. And he goes on to say, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. We're to teach, as part of the teach, we teach people before they're baptized, before they're immersed in water, we teach them. And then once they become uh, members of the congregation, we're to teach them whatsoever Christ taught and the apostles. We are continually teaching and equipping the saints for the service of God. That's what you need to pray for Brother Dave, Brother Roger, and myself, that God would equip us, teach us, so by His grace we can teach you. We're not here to brag about what we know, how smart we are. That's carnality. We're here to help you to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're here to equip you for your home service to worship God in your home with your children, 
to, wor to worship God, to be a witness to your neighbors, to be a witness to your family. This is why we congregate so that we can, all can be equipped to go into the world and preach the gospel in our everyday lives, one to our friends around us. He didn't call everyone to go to Russia, China, India, but he called each one of us to go into our own world. Those that you come in contact to daily, are we being a witness to them? We need to. Sometimes I know we don't. Sometimes we just take them for granted and we just go on our daily life. We should witness to those around us. You don't want to push it down their throat. I don't mean that. We, we represent the king. Jesus is not a beggar. He's a king. And it says, they were eating, they took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And he said this in verse 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drank it new with you in my Father's kingdom. One day we're going to observe the Lord's Supper with all the saints of God, Brother Day. That's going to be glorious. I mean, it's a blessing now with our congregation when we have that and we observe that. But to think when the whole all the elect, I'll put it that way, Brother Roger, are all assembled together in glory. And we drink and eat the bread in the presence of the one who loved us and died and gave himself for us. That's going to be a glorious, glorious day. And they said, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. They sung a hymn. So I believe we can sing hymns in the church and the assembly of God. And the two officers of the church are elders called bishops or pastors and deacons is the two offices. Now, pastors are called pastors, teachers. The qualification, and that's referring to the same person. A pastor is also a teacher. We're to teach and direct and equip the saints of God. Now, deacons... Now, we don't need a deacon yet because we don't have 5,000 members. You know, they, they didn't choose a deacon in the New Testament until they had over 5,000 members. When we get 5,000, we, when we get 3,000, I might recommend the other day, Dave, we might, Roger, we might need some deacons. <laughs> but deacons are for the glory of God. They were to take care of the things of the church, the carnal things of the church, so the minister could get themselves to the ministry of prayer and to the word and prayer. That's what our main calling is. But the deacons were taking care of the needs of some of the uh, women who needed help, some of the financial things, burdens. They were taking care of those things. And we have men here, I thank God, who's able to do that also in our church. The mission of the church. This is uh, one of the things we have to remind ourselves. What is our purpose here? Just to come on Sunday? Stay for an hour and then go home. Is that all there is to church? To the congregation? No, there's much more. Jesus gave us a parting commission, as I read earlier. 
One of the things that we're to do, we're to teach all nations. It could be translated, disciple all nations. So we're to disciple all nations. And how do we do that? Through preaching the gospel. That's the purpose of preaching the gospel. Which implies that the disciples were made and then immersed. So it's always better to teach someone before you immerse them. And I know sometimes if you look at the pattern in the New Testament, as soon as they professed belief, what, what happened? They were, they were immersed. You don't see them waiting and going to a council and be talked to. They took them out right away and immersed them. But in the age in which we live, with so much confusion, so many people coming from so many different backgrounds, so many different beliefs, it's good to bring them and go over what they believe and do they see if they believe what we believe. One of the things that is important when a person joins a congregation, do you believe the truth that that congregation believes? Your articles of faith, your church covenant, those things are important. And to teach. And to teach. You know, in over, over in Ephesians, it speaks about teaching. The body of Christ is to be edified in Ephesians 4. That one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And he said we're to teach. And teach to the extent that we are become mature Christians, not tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Why should you be here for every service? First, that you can be equipped. Well, first, because it's, it's, the, it's the command of Christ, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but much more as you see that day approaching. It's not an option, it's a command. Secondly, you're to come to the house of God to sing worship. I remember Brother Dave preaching his message one time on, on preaching, part of the worship, singing hymn, part of the worship, and worship and having fellowship is part of the worship, and the Lord's Supper. And, and those are things that's part of worship. We come together to sing hymns to the Lord. We are to sing to the Lord now. Some of us don't have a beautiful voice. It doesn't matter because I'm singing to the Lord. He can understand what I'm saying. I said, I couldn't make a tune in a bucket. I'd be like a frog. I'm glad we got Brother Dave leading the singing. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing to have that ability. But I pray that you, come, that you come to love the assembly. Jesus says, he loved the assembly. And he died and gave himself for the assembly, congregation. It said he bought the assembly at Corinth with his own blood. Now that's true of all churches, but he was, Paul was dealing particularly at Corinth that he bought that congregation with his own blood, the blood of God. It's called the blood of God. He loved it. Now we need to, by God's help and grace, to love the congregation as Jesus does. Do we love the congregation that we're members of. Are we doing all that we can for the glory of God in the church, in the congregation of the Lord, that we might honor His name? Let's pray that we can.
Show love one to another. And let's show love to those around us. What's the greatest thing that you can... What is the gospel? It's good news, isn't it? With so much bad news going around about the war, Ukraine, viruses, nuclear destruction, with all of this going around, let's try this week by the grace of God. I want to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're talking to your sister, say, Sister, isn't it wonderful, the good news of Christ dying for our sins? Your brother, your neighbors. Oh, we had a wonderful time. It's, it's wonderful to go to the house of God and to hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's, by God's grace, be a witness this week. That don't mean you be a preacher, but just witness what's in you. Talk about the goodness of the Lord. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Are you ashamed in a, in a, amongst your friends to mention the name of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to confess Christ among those that are around you? Now, I know all, sometimes we're quiet and we don't say nothing, but I think sometimes we go too far that way. Let's say, Lord, as I start this day, bring someone into my life that I can witness to. If it's just one person, give me the grace and the wisdom and the knowledge and love for that individual that I can witness to them, witness to them of the goodness and grace of God in Jesus Christ. May we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the congregation of the Lord, Mount Zion, that we can members of. I thank you for the Members that are here that we can love one another, pray one for another, encourage one another. I pray that you'll help us to be more faithful in our witnessing to those around us. Confessing Christ openly, not ashamed, being ashamed of the goodness of the Lord. And as we plant the seed, we pray that you will have someone else water it. And then someday, Lord, pray that you will bring that seed to fulfillment and belief in Jesus Christ. God would give the increase. Now bless us, Lord, as we close this service in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Does someone have a song in closing?